0: You are listening to The Chasing PR's podcast. Today, we talk about the top 10 books you can read to improve your running and achieve new personal records this year. You don't want to miss them. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome.
0: Welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego.
1: And I'm Rochelle.
0: And we have a very interesting topic today we think right we always it, 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 there are assumptions that they're going to be interesting to, to other runners
1: if we're choosing the topic usually it's cuz we really love the idea and we want to talk to everybody about it
0: exactly so today we're talking about running books before we start talking about the running books let's do really quickly the recap of our week how mm-hmm. was your week
1: it was good we, <laughs> we it's funny okay. i'm going to tell everybody the long run story yes. yesterday so diego and i Ran together with our friends, Stefan and Crystal yesterday. And I had 27 on my schedule and you had 24, Four. right? And, but the footing wasn't very good. So I was doing about 15 seconds per kilometer slower than I normally do. You were much slower cause you're but the interesting thing runner.
0: is I felt really good today after being like two and a half hours yesterday running, I felt like never before during, after a, a long run. Ah. I don't know how to feel about that because sometimes th- that, Feeling of a little soreness. I like that feeling of I worked really hard yesterday, and I don't know. I feel I feel so good today that I, I have mixed feelings about the long run. And <laughs> and you were
1: probably like a minute slower per kilometer than normal, right? Maybe more.
0: No, I think a minute. It's fine because the footing was terrible.
1: Yeah. 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 But so, sorry that I interrupted your that's story. That's okay. So we so we finished when you were done, like twenty four, yeah. and then I was gonna go do another three kilometers. And Diego very rightly suggested, it was very smart advice that I did not listen to. <laughs> he suggested that I stop at 24, 25 as well because the, the length of the run I had already gotten in because it was slower than normal. Yeah. But being you know the typical type A runner, I had it in my head that I wanted to do a 70K week. And in order to have a 70K week, I needed to do 27K. So anyway, so you guys were done and I went on and did my extra three kilometers and then I stopped my watch, and it's like, recovery time, four days. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. But that being said, it kept saying my heart rate was like 176. And I was like, I don't think my heart – I was able to chat the whole run. It felt super easy. But, again, we've yeah. talked about that. Like, winter screws up my yeah, heart rate. And
0: mine was also super high yesterday. I think the footing – we ran running a lot of snow
1: Yeah.
0: Year, yesterday, so I, I think that affected – and I. You're not, you're not injured today.
1: No, that's I feel. Good. So
0: those three kilometers were no. I feel good. So it's my
1: first like 70k week, 27k long run. Things are feeling so far so good. A, a
0: good speed session last week also. Yes.
1: Yeah. The track was the track. The train station parking lot was yeah, good Good footing. So it was yeah, pretty good. good yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I actually, I usually run my long runs alone because I, I want to hit a certain pace every time. Right. But this, this past week was the first week I ran 80k or 50 miles. So I've been running 70K for the past four or five weeks. And it was the time to, to up it a little to, to 80 kilometers or 50 miles. So I thought it was smart to do my longest run in, I don't know, since October last year, easier. And running with you guys forced me to do that. So yeah. that, that, it, everything clicked that weekend. So, and I usually run on Saturdays, but Saturday was like minus 40 degrees. Yeah. Celsius. So yeah, everything clicked to have a slow run in the in a build-up week, got my longest long run. So yeah, it was it was interesting. And I'm I'm a big numbers guy. I, I told this a, a bunch of times. But I I'm feeling really good with my training today. I think focusing on building mileage and having this super long-term goal of four or five years is helping me to relax about my training and to build mileage super slowly and consistently. So I went and review all my weeks since mid 2018. Oh, wow. I did my first marathon in October of 2018. So I'd say, okay, since I ran my first marathon, how my weeks have been. And I've only run or ran three times more than 80 kilometers
1: ever. Okay, and you hit 80 kilometers last week.
0: Last week, and, and I'm trying to, to do that all the way on, until the Boston Marathon. So, And
1: will you stop at 80, or will you go, do you think you'll creep it up a little bit more, or is 80 the,
0: the most you want to do? No, depending on how I'm feeling on March. Mm-hmm. At least all February, or the next four or five weeks, I'm going to stay there. Depending on how I'm feeling on March, I'm going to decide if I'm going to run a little fast, have a speed session maybe on Tuesdays or a tempo run, or I'm gonna build the, my mileage. I don't. I don't know yet. Yeah. But yeah, only three times ever running at least fifty miles, and that this past week felt awesome, and I'm ready to do it again this week. So I'm really happy with that.
1: So you need to run with us every Sunday. That means so we can I, keep I don't you slow. Have it. <laughs> you said it was the slowest half marathon you've ever done. I think. Yeah, right? it
0: was. <laughs> when I was looking at the watch, two hours and something at, at the half marathon, it was like, yeah, this is. But, yeah. yeah, I feel good. So I think it was a it was a good decision. And just being able to run 50 miles a week for the next four, five, six weeks until Boston, it's going to be, I hope, very beneficial to my times. Yeah.
1: I, I've definitely taken your advice in the Jack Daniels book as well on not just adding 10% every single week. So yeah. I definitely got in that kind of Mindset. headspace in the – previous training programs where I do 50k one week and then 55 then 60 and like week after week it was and I would do a recovery week every fourth week but other than the those recovery weeks it was a 10% build and this time I'm spending two to three weeks at like 50 then 55 then 60 and this was my first week hitting 70 so I'll do 70 again this week and I just have no nickels I feel great like it's I feel like when I finish my long run Sunday, like I'm going to do 6K tonight. And in the past, there's no way I would have run Monday after a long run. Exactly. I just felt like burnt out. So yeah. I think it's, yeah, everything's coming together.
0: Yeah. And not only Jack Daniels, we mentioned Joe Friel, the guy that wrote the, tri- the triathletes Bible also mentioned about that staying two, three, four weeks at the same level in running. And they also suggesting strength training, mm-hmm. like, uh, and you do it with your training programs, like stay at, do the same thing three or four weeks. The fourth week, it's gonna feel very easy, but that means that your body is completely ready for the next step or the next mm-hmm. jumping weights or repetitions or whatever it is. And the same thing with with running. Yeah, I, it, it, there are a few things over the, over the course of my running life that have made a huge difference, and I think one of them is the, is that part of not just pushing every week and every week. I, I remember I was always tired after a long run when I was doing that. 21 kilometers 24 26 29 32 every week every week maybe you have down weeks it's smart to have down weeks but that just that grind and and not mentally we're going to talk about some the book some of the books we're talking about today are talk a lot about the mental part of running Mm -hmm. but just if you know for example i did 24 kilometers yesterday with you guys two hours and 25 minutes it took us tomorrow or the next sorry, tomorrow. next weekend that I run 24 way faster, it's going to feel way easier because my mm-hmm. mind already knows that it can run 24 kilometers in two hours and 25 minutes. If I run it in around two hours, it's like, okay, we ran 25 minutes less and my body's going to feel great, but I'm going to hit the mileage. So it's I think it's really important. Yeah. And just before we start talking about the books, we record the episodes usually on Monday, they go live on Thursday. But when you hear this, the day before, February 8th, is when they open registration for the New York Marathon. So Ooh. if you want to run the New York Marathon today, if you're listening today on Thursday, February 9th, it's a great time to get into the lottery.
1: I would love to do that, but I don't think I should do Chicago and New York. I'm, a month apart.
0: I'm, I'm exactly on the same boat.
1: Yeah. I think
0: I, I was thinking yesterday that I saw the news. I'm going to put my name in. And in the marathon, if the marathon gods want me to run three major marathons in one year, I'm going to do it. If I'm not, not. But it's very probable that on Wednesday, I'm going to put my name in. And yeah, I have the time, the qualifying time. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know if it's smart. I'm going to pull out Dan Roy. Our friend did that last year. Yeah. And uh, we talked about in Runner of the Week in the past about him and his times and his marathons. But yeah, it's only four weeks after Chicago mm-hmm. is the New York Marathon. And let's see how, how I feel about it on Wednesday morning.
1: Yeah, I think, <laughs> like, not to go too off topic, but it it depends. It's doable. Like, Shalane Flanagan did all six of the world majors in one year. The only thing is Tokyo got canceled that year because of COVID. So okay. she did that, like, locally. But there was a bunch of marathons jumbled up on top of each other because COVID had moved some of the spring marathons to the fall yeah and she's been interviewed on a bunch of podcasts and she was like it's all about recovery like what do you what you do after the first marathon which would be chicago like how do you eat and rest and sleep to lead you yeah to the focus to for the next run.
0: four weeks will be recovery and be yeah. ready for the next one not training again yeah. and long runs and your your fitness is already there
1: and maybe you pick like so chicago is a fast flat course from what i've heard about new york it is not because the bridges are hilly so maybe Chicago is like a all-in race that you blast it as hard as you can, and then New York you might do it for fun. not for fun, not like you're gonna That's walk gonna the yeah. whole thing, but it's not it's like your B race, for example. Yeah,
0: let's yeah. see. I'm I'm gonna put my cool. Name, cool. name in. I am not. You're not. <laughs> <joke>.
1: <laughs> but I do want to do all six. So maybe fall of 2024, I'll try to get in. We'll see.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a note there. So let's talk about running books we're going to we divided we're going to recommend 10 books there are tons and tons and tons of books but we chose these these 10 and we're dividing them in three categories right like what how do you name the first category
1: the first one's more like Text. they're kind of like textbooks exactly. like they're yeah. you might not sit down and read them all in one go but you refer to them often and they're going to teach you a lot about running almost lot. like you're doing a course on running yep yeah
0: the second one is going to be about like the mental part of running And the third one are more like biographies, uh, Mm -hmm. storybooks about running that you can learn and you can enjoy in a quiet afternoon.
1: Yeah. Then they're kind of ones that you could read all, you might read the whole thing in a week. Like they're very interesting. I love them anyway. Yeah. And the, the reason we wanted to do this is because learning is one of those like competitive advantages you can kind of have about running. So I always say the best runners are kind of like students of the sport. So, so many runners have, I've met so many runners in clinic who have amazing potential and they're out there running like three days a week as hard as they can, or they want to get better at 5k. So they go run 5k every day as hard as they can, or they don't do strength training. They don't do a long run. They're training for 5k and they don't run more than 8k for for it. And they're trying to get under 20 minutes. And all this is just because they don't know. They haven't read, they haven't listened to podcasts, followed the right people on social media. They just don't know.
0: Yeah, reading is a it's a great way to or listening to the books. You you, you have audiobook yeah. so a lot of the books.
1: It, it sometimes I like that. Like the the third category was perfect for Audible, but like the the first four books that are read more like textbooks. Those are no, you need you need to too. stop
0: every ten minutes to write something out. Yeah, and I like <laughs> to
1: highlight the important stuff and make little notes or convert minutes per mile to minutes per kilometer in the book. So yeah, some of them are not audible friendly.
0: I read a, a bunch of years ago, there is a guy named Tom Peters. He's more like a marketing guy and management kind of books he, he writes. And I read one a, a few years ago. And one of the things that he mentioned is that he has like a stack of books and papers and things on his desk. And he just shuffled through them because they're, sometimes, even if they are not related to his job, sometimes you connect things, right? Things click, and oh, I remember I read that. So just having a lot of information—the in the point of this—is just having a lot of information in your brain helps you to become better at a lot of things. And one of the things it can be—it can be running. If you just mm-hmm. sometimes you, you read a book, and a few years later, ten years later, it clicks. Like oh, yeah, I read that, and now it, it makes sense everything, and you start to become better and better and better, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, and I think with other sports like soccer and hockey, you you go to practice and you have a coach, and they teach you how to do this and they teach you how to do that. And so many runners just run, and they don't feel like they need to learn about it or have a coach. So a lot of the stuff in these books just kind of gives you some behind-the-scenes stuff that's like simple things. Yep. Sometimes it's just like, slow down, <laughs> and you'll be faster, but it's it's worth it. It's good.
0: Cool. Let's start with, with the first one. The, the, okay. Let's start with the first one. The Daniels Running Formula by Jack Daniels. That's a book you need to read to get the certification you got, the BDOT one. Yep. So I've read
1: it very recently because I just got my coaching certification.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's like a textbook. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to create, if you want to learn to create your own training plan, you need to read this. And it gives a lot of examples of different types of workouts. For example, we're going to do that. I think we've been talking about this forever. An episode about how to calculate your training paces.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that book has really good, it doesn't know. It exactly teach you how to calculate them but it gives you tons and tons of examples of a tempo run should look like this an easy run should look like this and it's speed session and there are different kinds of speed sessions right like it there's not you can do repetitions you can do intervals you what's the other one like
1: tempo or threshold yeah
0: threshold run so there are a lot of different ones and you can't do them all of them every week sometimes you do a tempo run Next week, you do a speed session or or an interval one. Next, you do repetitions. And all of them have different time frames that they should last and recovery times. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's if you want to get into the numbers, that's the best book we can recommend.
1: I like, too, how you could really figure out what your speed should look like if you're doing a 5K versus a marathon. Like, it looks so different in that book. And some people... There's a lot of running clubs where everybody's in this group doing interval sessions, and you've got everything from people racing a five to a marathon to an ultra, and they're all doing the same workout. Yep. And so this is a really good example of it should actually look quite different. Yep.
0: So yeah, you don't have you don't have to take the certification if you don't want. I haven't took it. I read the book, but yeah, it's Daniel's Running Formula by Jack Daniels. It's a great way to create your own training plans and. Sometimes, even if you, if you have a coach, you can understand, and we talked about this last week, the why mm-hmm. of things. If you understand why a coach is giving you a specific workout, you, get, you do it with more confidence or with more happiness. Sometimes there are workouts mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do this. It's too fast or too far. But if you understand the why behind it, you're going to feel more confident and you're going to hit your, the right basis for your, for your training program.
1: Yeah, and when we do our, our track work, or it's JR, the coach for k to j Sometimes he's asking people to slow down because they're pushing the pace too aggressively and he doesn't like how their form looks or, you know, it's a pacing workout and they're going out at 5K pace and he suggested 10K. And if you don't understand why he's suggesting that, it could be very, it's easy to just say, well, I just, I want to push and go 100%. Totally. But reading a book like this explains why you don't need to go 100%. In your interval workouts, week time. after week, yeah, yeah.
0: you can. There, there are times to do it. but well, no, yeah. not all the time. Yeah, that was book number one. Book number two it's called Running Science by Owen Anderson. I think this one is the most test book of all the books we are recommending.
1: Yeah, you gave me this one last year, and I did read a lot of it. But it's definitely not one you sit and read like devour uh-huh. in a week because you can't put it down. It, but it's so educational.
0: It's not for everyone. Yeah, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of things. I think the two the two biggest things I or the three biggest things I learned for this book was biomechanics. The way he explains the running all the running phases or the stride phases, like the push-off and the landing and I I, I can't remember the names. But how he explained every part of the of the running how do you call it?
1: Phases make sense. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Cause you've got like the swing phase and the propulsive phase exactly. and stance phase
0: it helped me a lot to i think improve my running form and cadence just because and i was talking to our friend yesterday if you are aware of things you can improve them the 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 bad thing is when you don't know what you need to be aware of right mm-hmm. so if, if you if you want to improve your running form you don't know how to do it you can't mm-hmm. but if you read a book like this and you understand the the kick face and the pull of the Terrible attempts. For example, I'm going to be a, give a really specific example. How your the lower part of your leg should swing from the back swing to the front. It's super interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not going to give it make it justice, but think of it like as a pendulum. If your if your knee is like it's like the the topper part of the pendulum, how you swing your your foot to the back to the front, and just, just think of it like a like free weight. You don't have to do anything to get it from the back to the to the front. Just think about it how you the the, the inertia and the
1: just let uh, gravity take it. The, the, the gravity
0: it. inertia, the weight of the of the of, the, of the, or your of your foot and your lower leg, and it, that part for me specifically made a lot of sense, and yeah. It, the Biomica Panics part—it's it's really interesting. He also have a lot of drills to improve your running form. And when I was really injured, like before I decided to have my knee surgery, I, I ran like eight months injured because I didn't want to have surgery. But I couldn't run more like fifteen minutes. If I run run more like than fifteen minutes, I start to have a lot of pain. So he has a lot of strength, run strength workouts when you do like step ups and squats and calf races and a lot of different things. And then you run like 400 meters and then you get back. If you have a track where you can do that, it's awesome. I, 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 used, I used to do it at a, at a gym and I put all my weights be, just beside it, the treadmill. So I did everything, jump on the treadmill, strength rank, jump on the treadmill, strength rank, jump on the treadmill. And that was the first time I was able to run to sub, sub 20 minutes 5K and I was injured. So, wow, yeah, it was really- it, was it worked really, for you. But it, I didn't do any long runs, for example, because I couldn't, but the, the it helped me with my speed, mm-hmm. that part. So, yeah, it, it's a very technical book or textbook. That
1: of. Drills are something I've always wanted to do, and I just don't seem to fit it in. I think it's because a lot of times I run on my lunch break. Okay. And usually I, I get dressed, I run, I come back, I eat, I change, and I see my next patient. So you don't have 10, 15 if I do to drills, this. that means... I have to run 2K less, which I don't want to do that. But (laughs) I really should at least, like, it's not like you have to do it every single run. Like, I don't think there's any reason that we can't be doing drills before our interval sessions on Thursday. That's right. Or before my long run, because I'm already gone for three hours. My husband won't mind if it's three hours, 10 minutes. (laughs) So maybe, and those are the two most important runs of the week. So maybe I'll add them in then.
0: Cool. Yeah. So a a lot of things to learn there. Then we have the book Run Like a Pro by Matt Fitzgerald. Matt Fitzgerald has a lot of books.
1: He has so many books, and I like most of them. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. but I, I have one of, about nutrition, the eighty twenty one, and this one, and, and another one that it's called Running with the Pros, I think. But why did we chose Run Like a Champion? No, Run Like a Pro something.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I think the reason I like this one so much, again, so compared to, like, soccer and hockey, like, if you're into these really popular sports in Canada, at least, you tend to look at, white what the best soccer players are doing and you look you watch them play and you analyze their game and you you learn a lot about it and I find runners don't always do that and what Matt Fitzgerald does in this book is he takes he analyzes and he studies what most of the elites elite athletes do and he summarizes it and then he makes it manageable for normal humans like me and you, who you know have full-time jobs and we have kids and we can't be doing 100 miles a week. So it's not like most of the time when you think run like a pro, you think you need to do 100 miles a week to run like a pro, really, if it's a marathon. But he kind of summarizes how you can run like a pro without literally running four hours a day, three hours a day. And I, I really love everything he highlights in the book, and I agree with like 99% of it. Yeah,
0: I don't think I agree 100% with you in this point. No. No. Okay, tell me. I really, I really like the book. Yeah. I think my biggest lesson. I have a lot of te- a lot of notes about that book, but it's like what it really takes to run as an elite or pro runner. But I think the the, the title of the book, in my opinion, could be "Run Like a Pro" if you have the time to do it, True. because even if you don't have to run hundred miles a week, it's like they run six or seven times a week. They do strength training they do recovery, they do asthma, ice baths, they get massages, they, they get injured, and they have access to the best physiotherapies in the world to manage their injuries. So yeah, you can learn a lot, but it's not like, I'm gonna read this book and I'm gonna start training like a pro. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can if you have the money and the time to do it.
1: Yeah, you have to take it with a grain of salt because you have to remember that usually professional runners are getting paid to run.
0: And so they, they he talked about it, yeah, the, yeah. the book, the book is like a like a summary of a time he spent at a running club called NAS Elite mm-hmm. that they train in Arizona. And he trained there with them for, I think, four weeks to run Chicago, I think it was. He ran a great marathon and then he, came, he wrote a book about the experience. And then he came back with the coach, Ben Rosario, to write this book, like the main lessons about his time there and how can ev- everyone run like a pro. But yeah, you can run like a pro if you have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. That's...
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> but yeah, you can you can you 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 learn a lot, for sure. And the next, it's a very similar title. That's why I got confused. It's called Run Like a Champion by Alan Culpepper. You haven't read this one?
1: No, nope, I haven't read that one.
0: But I wanted to add this one because of two things. One is that today, Alan Culpepper is the head coach of NAS Elite, so Ben Rosario created NASA Lead, just, just Google them. They have a lot of accomplishments and a lot of runners that you're going to identify over, over the years. Oh, I've heard about this runner, and they trained with him. But now he, he hired Alan Culpepper to, to be the head coach, and he's going to be like an executive. Something. But Alan Culpepper is very interesting because he went to the Olympics running in the 10,000 meters and the marathon, and he doesn't have a coach. He's his mm. own coach. So he, he ran in college with, with a team. I can remember the university he went to. But when he graduated, it was like, I think I could do better by my own." So for the day he graduated to when he qualified to the Olympics, in two, two different Olympics in two different distances, he was self-taught and self-coach. And I hired him, like four or five years ago to write me some training plans for a 5K and a 10K. And I learned a lot. I read a book. And I think it's it's very interesting to see how someone can train himself to go to the Olympics.
1: I feel like one of the benefits of reading books, like the list that we have of 10 here, is sometimes people can't afford a coach. Yep. I'm sure, and that might not be it. I'm sure that wasn't the case with him. No, you he just, wanted to. He, was like, he wanted I, I to kinda do, do it, it right? yeah. But some people, like sometimes it's $100 a month and people just look at that and I, I can't afford that. But if you're getting some of these books on our list, it's almost like you learn how to coach yourself in a way.
0: Yeah, you're going to improve. You're going to be better with a coach because George has no judgment or like skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Like it like, when when we do our own training plans, I do it for myself. Sometimes, you know, you can take uh, how can I say it? Uh, taught yourself out of things, right? But a yes. coach see it in a subjective way. Or objective way, in an objective way. This is the run you need to do, and this is your heart rate, and this is why you need to rest, and this is why you don't need to do these this long run, or what you why you need to improve this long run, running longer, because he see every he, says, he's, he sees everything as objectively, and when we coach ourselves, we do subjective things. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, all of these books. If you if you can't kind afford of a coach and you don't know how to start, they're going to improve your running and your training. That for sure. Yeah and the big the biggest lesson i i've i, I had for, for from this book is long runs and the pacing of long runs he actually and it's very interesting because he he actually says that people usually run their long runs too slow hmm. and he gives the example of his wife that he was she was running her long runs too slow and he told her you need to run a little faster your long runs it it's not that it's going to become a tempo run or yeah. it's just like the the idea of easy of how it's really interesting i i i, I am not going to spoil it or i think you need to read it to to get because i can give examples but if you don't have all the background yeah you're not i gonna, need
1: to read it because i'm sitting here like i spend 90% of my day telling people to slow down because i think they're doing the it, long ones too fast so i want to read that
0: but it, you need to slow down we we have an a whole episode about easy running yeah. and and he believes in easy running and we both believe in easy running it just maybe Easy running is too easy. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's the thing. And I think one of the things is like, there's no one simple answer for everything. It's not like easy runs means easy and someone is going to have a different take of it. And that's when you start to make your own running philosophy, when you have different views of on, on the on the same things.
1: Yeah, a lot of these books I haven't bought hundred percent into them, but I've taken exactly. like some really great tips. Yeah, you, you, don't, from you don't each one.
0: You don't have to believe everything they yeah. say. You just start to connect the dots. And the more you read, the more dots you start to connect, oh this is about this because of this and that makes sense and that that's why I'm gonna slow down or that's why I'm gonna speed up. Or you mm-hmm. know and it depends on how you feel. We talk yeah. about that we're not uh, machines that can Rely like 100% of science because everyone responds different to everything.
1: Yeah, it's not cookie cutter. Even if you look at the top runners, like I'm trying to think, Cam Levins, the, he's the marathon record holder for Canada right now. Yep. He When he broke the record last year, he was doing over 320 kilometers a week, 350 kilometers a week, like a That's ridiculous miles. high volume. Like really, really, really high. And most of the Canadian elite men would probably break doing that. But it worked for him. He yeah. ran a two oh seven, I believe it was.
0: Yeah, I think in in running like a pro, Matt Fitzgerald, he talks about like pro runners are like a, a hundred miles a week. It's hundred and sixty kilometers. So Cam Levin was doing twice of that, and he yeah. worked. It worked for him.
1: Yeah, but it's not going to work for everyone. So it's, you have to you have to pick and yeah. choose what works for you. And sometimes it takes years of experimentation. <laughs> it
0: totally. Yeah. Is. So those are the first books. First four, four first books about like textbooks yeah like you learn a lot and it's not an easy read that let's say that it's not an easy read and you're going to stop a lot you're going to highlight a lot <laughs> and you're going to forget a lot of the things you <laughs> you read about but you yeah. just you mentioned it at the beginning you, you can't come back to those books. yeah
1: and i wouldn't go out and buy all four i feel like i'd start like pick one <laughs> And then use that as a resource, get through it, highlight your topics, because I feel like if you got all four of them, you'd just be so overwhelmed with knowledge. Okay. Which and one
0: would you recommend they buy first?
1: Oh, probably. it So probably Jack Daniels, unless you're really, really like into the science and the nitty gritty and, and you really want to learn all the everything, then I would say running science. That oh, would exactly. be my. What about you?
0: Run, run like a champion. It's See, the e- that's the one I haven't read. Is the easiest one of the of the four.
1: Okay, so maybe starting with that it's one is the would easiest be...
0: one. And then, yeah, between Running Science and, and the Daniel's Running Formula, those are great. And then Run Like a Pro, like it. You understand everything, right? If you if you read the other three, everything that he mentions in that book Will make makes sense. more sense. Yeah.
1: I think I'm getting that book mixed up because there's another one called Run Like a Pro, even if you're slow.
0: That's one. That's
1: that one. is that one. Yeah. I'm thinking of a different one where they're just analyzing. Matt Fitzgerald analyzes what all the elite athletes do. I'll find the name of it okay. while we're while we're talking about other things because I think I'm getting mixed up because once you started talking about his training with NAZ Elite, I was like, oh, wait, that's a, I'm thinking of the wrong book. There are two so books about that. Yeah, yeah, so, so I think I'm thinking of the wrong one. Anyway, there, I'll find it.
0: There's a book. I'm going to find it super quickly. There's a book called Running the Dream. It's the... It's when he talked about the four weeks he spent with Nisolate. Okay. And that's the, w- actually what he did and how they train and all the, the speed sessions and intervals. That's called running the dream. I think
1: that's the one I'm thinking of. And yes. then
0: like four six months after that, he wrote this one, Run Like a Pro, like okay. a summarize of his time. Training like a pro.
1: So I've listened to both of them on Audible, but I got them messed up when we were talking about them. Okay. But they're both good. Yes. I like, anyway, we, we tried to keep our list at 10, but that's another one <laughs> you could listen to as well.
0: Then the next two books we're talking about are mental state books. How can you improve your mental game to become a better runner? For me, super super important, the mental game. If I'm yeah. not feeling it, it's not going to work. If I'm feeling it, it's going to work.
1: And I feel like you can talk yourself out of your goal at the start line or like the night before like mentally you can be the fittest person in the world like elliot Kipchoge, i think a huge part of his success is his mental game he he just when you interview him and when you hear him talk and
0: he's so confident he's
1: so confident and he talks about his visualizing and you know the no human is limited saying that he goes by like there's a huge mental component on top of the fact that he's just genetically massively gifted (laughs) and Phenomenal. And he trains
0: like yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mental part is really, really important, mm-hmm. and I think really neglected in the running community. You, we think that we need to run, 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 and sometimes if you don't believe it or if you don't have the, that mental strength when the marathon is getting tough, when the last five hundred meters or a five k are they are really tough, and if, if you, mentally you are not there,
1: mm-hmm. you are not
0: going to break your peers.
1: I always. Think of it as, like, there's these buckets that you want to fill if you're seriously training for a run and trying to get better and better. And so there's, like, the, the endurance bucket, and that's, like, your long runs and your weekly volume. And then there's the intensity bucket, which that's is, like, your intervals and your tempo. And there's a recovery bucket, which is how are you sleeping and eating and fueling and that sort of thing. But there's a mental health or a kind of mental bucket. Mental health as well. Health
0: and strength, but, yeah.
1: But the mental health and strength bucket. And it you could have all the other buckets overflowing but if you don't believe in yourself or if you don't practice visualization or if you don't just practice racing and get used to like, it hurts. Like I think the best runners in the world are able to kind of tolerate the most pain. And so if that bucket's empty, you're not gonna maximize your fitness level. Yeah.
0: And I think for beginner runners, because you can, if you are a very fit person and you up your mental game, you're gonna become better. But for beginner runners, I think the mental game, it's easier to train that running, right? If you're just starting mm-hmm. and you start to follow people on Strava and Instagram and Facebook, you're going to get like disappointed very quickly. Yes. Because, oh, no, I'm killing myself out there. I'm getting out of breath every 10 seconds and I can't run as fast as these people. I think if you're op- the easiest way to improve, it's going to be to have a better mental strength. Mm-hmm. And these books will help you with that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: The first one is called Endure by Alex Hutchinson. Alex, Alex Hutchinson is a very interesting person <laughs> because he's really into science. All of his books, and he has a column on Outside Magazine, a really interesting one if you want to read it. I don't know if he published once or twice a week, but very regularly he has new, new columns there. And they're pretty much, a lot of them are based on mental strength and mental strategies, and they have a little science behind. it. Mm-hmm. And all the book is... It's like, like, it's like a big book of mental strength and strategies, but by science.
1: That one has been sitting in my Audible library for like six months. And I don't know why I just haven't listened to it yet. But I have a marathon coming up. So that's, an you know.
0: Now you have time to. Yeah,
1: I need to uh, that, do that.
0: Uh, that's a very interesting thing about a, a, a mental book like these ones. It can improve your running overnight. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait three or four months to your training to kick in and to get fit killer. The, it's like, if you believe something that you read there, tomorrow morning, you can become, you are a, a more confident, better runner just because of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that, and they, this, this book is not entirely about mental strength or mental strategies. It discusses a, 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 other things like, is it better to run in the afternoon or in the morning?
1: Hmm.
0: And little things that I think a lot of runners questions about. And he answered a lot of them in that book. For example, if I remember correctly, running in the morning is better just because you don't have the all day when you start to train. If you, if you train in the, in, in the afternoon, you have the mental fatigue of, of your day, work, family, all the problems you have during the day, and your body is more tired because you've been awake in I don't know 10, 12, 13 hours, and then you go to train. So your body responds differently to the training in the afternoon than in the morning. It doesn't mean that if you are after the runner, you're going to be a path runner. Yeah. It just means that it's better because your body's rested and it doesn't have that. That meant. I, and I found it in especially in speed sessions. If you run your speed sessions in the morning, you're going to run faster than in the afternoon. But in that because in the afternoon your body, your your brain is tired.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think. You have to figure out what works for you, too, because then if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I have to start running in the morning before work, but they can't go to bed until 11, like just for whatever reason, that's their, they can't go to bed sooner than that. And then they're setting their alarm 5 a.m. to get up and run because they read that they should do morning runs and they start work at 8. Now, it's also not good to get six hours sleep a night. So you have to figure out what what works best for you.
0: Yeah, because in in your example, the point of running rested, it's not being… Yeah. It's not there because you didn't sleep enough.
1: And I think with all, like we could, we could write a book with like a hundred tips on how to become a better, faster runner. No one's going to be able to do all a hundred of them. No. Like you just have to pick which ones you can do, and if, if you can't, if you can get even half of them done, you're probably doing an amazing job.
0: Yeah, we talked about a lot about it in the past about just pick one thing to improve right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you master that one, when it's part of your lifestyle and you're running, pick the next one. The next one is called Peak Secrets from the New Science of Expertise. The authors are Anders Ericsson and Robert Poole. And you mentioned something about mental representations in the past, just a few minutes ago. And they talk about a lot in this book about how to visualize Mm -hmm. thats mental representation, how to visualize your race, how to visualize having success. And I think a lot of people sometimes visualize themselves during the run but you can visualize yourself before the run
1: mm-hmm. right
0: how you're going to feel how you're going to respond when you're you can't get a, a your gel how are you going to respond when you can't drink water how you're going to respond when someone pushes you at the start line all of these things mm-hmm. you can start to practice them so you're ready when they happen in the during the race
1: when I did my first marathon in Italy, I had one of those old school little tiny iPod shuffles. Yeah. You know, like it's like a little square. Yeah, yeah. And I had like four hours. I was hoping to do it in 345 and I had four hours just in case of like my favorite music all ready to go on this little iPod shuffle. And I we get to the start of the marathon, plug it in, dead. Way. Turned it, it accidentally came on on the flight to Italy, I think. Like, the button got pushed and the battery was gone. Wow. And I did not deal well with it at all. My <laughs> husband was like, we aren't going to be able to run together if you don't calm down. Because like, he was doing the marathon as well. Like, I was so stressed out and upset about it. Okay, and right. because I had this big plan, I was like, oh, my God, I have to do this marathon. And here I am in Italy and it's, like, beautiful and I couldn't just.
0: Enjoy it. And... Because,
1: but then when I did my second marathon, I was like if this happens, this is how I'm going to respond. If this happens, this is how it, so it is. So it's important like experience it and, and know that it's not always going to go according to plan, and you have to deal with that.
0: Totally. And when you read that book, you start to think of a lot of things that you can train of. I just mentioned a few, but mm-hmm. there are a hundred things that you can prepare to. And we runners, I believe, train, when we train, we want to have the perfect weather, the perfect nutrition, the perfect hydration. And when we run, if we don't visualize for the bad things, I think we, we visualize or prepare for the good things. Mm-hmm. I feel like this, and I'm going to do this. And I'm... people visualize themselves crossing the, the finish line. But you cannot, it's not going to go perfect. I know.
1: It's going to feel amazing when you cross the finish line. Usually when you cross the finish line of a marathon, it doesn't feel amazing. No. It feels like, oh, thank God that's over, and you're in a lot of pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other one that I really like, it, they, there's a f- full chapter about this. It's the power of purposeful practice. Yeah. And I I have a very it's like if you train badly, you're not gonna improve. You're gonna be very good at running badly in this case, Mm -hmm. because we're talking about running. I and I always gave my my the runners and my kids two examples. One with swimming, right? Swimming is a very technical sport. You can be at the pool doing four Thousand meters every day, but if you are training with bad technique, you are not going to improve. Uh-huh. So the thing, the same thing happens with with running. You, you, you mentioned I'm running five k every day and I'm killing myself and I'm training and I'm recovering and I'm doing this and and they are very passionate and that but they are training wrongly. Yeah. So the power of purposeful practice. You need to practice with purpose, not just practice because you need to practice.
1: Yeah. I always ask myself when I'm having, like on Wednesday, I'll run really easy because Thursday's K-to-J track. And if I'm feeling really good, all of a sudden I'm picking up the pace. And then I'm always like, what's the purpose of this run? Yep. Time on feet, midweek long run. It's supposed to be slow so that I can run really well tomorrow. Stop being an idiot. And then I slow down. But that's like, what's the purpose of this run? Yep. If it's supposed to be easy then.
0: And if you practice bad, you're going to be a very good bad runner. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The other example I give to my kids, for example, taxi drivers in Mexico are terrible. Terrible. Really? Really. But they think they're awesome because they're driving all day. Right? And they're like, you're stupid because I drive 12 hours a day. So So I know how to
1: drive better than you. But if you're
0: a terrible driver driving 12 hours a day, you're a great terrible driver. Yeah. And the same thing happens when you're training. So if you're you can be a really good, really bad, really good bad runner.
1: So if I ever go to Mexico, no, no taxi. Well, Uber
0: does <laughs> for sure. sure. So those are those were the the, the the two books about mental strength. Yeah, mental aspect. Let's do the four books about the more easier books.
1: Yeah, and they're kind of they're fun reads that are harder to put down, but there's so much wisdom and tidbits within them. So it's it's not as sciencey, but you still will learn a lot.
0: Yep. Yeah. So the first one is Born to Run. I forgot to write down the, the name of the author. Something McDougall. I'm going to research it super, fine, but super fast, but Born to Run. Have you read that one?
1: I haven't. I, I started to read it, but mm-hmm. I had a hard time getting into it. It's been on my list for a while because as a running physio, it's injured a lot of people. Christopher McDougall. Yes. So many people read that book and then just started running in vibrant five fingers and minimalist shoes and have got, done it too aggressively and have gotten stress fractures and Achilles issues. So, um, yeah.
0: Funny enough, I read this quote about someone I, I follow in, in Instagram, Alison Marie. She's like a pelvic floor specialist. But it's, I don't understand why the main takeaway from the Tarahumara in Born to Run is that we should run barefoot and not that we literally were born to run, jump, bend, crawl. Not sit around in a chair eight closed hours a day. The value of movement itself is what makes us a better runner. Yeah. And I found it really funny that I feel exactly the same way. It's like people read to run." I need to go barefoot. Yeah. I need like like, tomorrow's running all day. Barefoot, but all day. Yeah. They run. They don't have cars. They run to school. They run to the other town. They run to... Everywhere. It's their transportation. It's actually, and it's exactly. always
1: been, and it's always been barefoot. They haven't been wearing sneakers their whole upbringing.
0: Exactly. So if yeah. you are wearing sneakers all the time and suddenly you want to go barefoot, you are. it's not going to end up well. And the other part I, I think about really interesting is nutrition because they live from carbs. Mm-hmm. They eat tortillas all the time and they make these little snacks of corn powder. So they are carb loaded all the time. Yeah. We talked about feeling like one or two weeks ago. There's a really interesting movie. It's like a coach that goes to a little town in the U.S. that it's full of Mexicans, and they're really good at running cross country. And one of the quotes that he says when he's trying to convince the principal to to to, to create this cross cross country team is that they only eat tortillas and beans, so they are carb loaded all the time. And it's super true. We need a lot of carbs mm-hmm. to be good runners. So that's another interesting lesson about the World to Run. I, I found it very interesting. I'm Mexican, so running about, learning about the Taramaras and how they train. And he put them in like in the map. People, a lot of people knew about them because of that. Yeah, It was really interesting. But it's, it, it's, it's an interesting book.
1: Yeah. I'm going to add it to my Audible with Endure, and I'm actually going to listen to it.
0: The next one is called Running with the Buffaloes by Chris Lear.
1: Yeah. Have you read this one? No. This is a really good one. I So this one, I added this to the list. It's from 1998, the University of Colorado, the Buffaloes. It's all about their cross-country team and their kind of training leading up to the men's NCAA championships. And Adam Goucher is basically like the big name on the team. And he's by far the best one. But in cross-country, it's it, like a it's d- a team, yep. so he's the best, but it's all about trying to bring up the other runners and who's going to join him for the competition at the NCAA's. Mark Wetmore is the coach. He's actually still the coach there, which I found out the other day, which is really interesting. But it's a it's it's a really good read. It's a lot of things that you would never see done today. I hope because it's '98, right? Like I kept having to remind myself that Mark Wetmore was doing what he thought was right. At the time, because this was a very long time ago. But, you know, I think there's like four of the team members get stress fractures and they're overtraining and like so many high intensity runs and they're injured and they're running anyway. So if someone's like limping and has like thigh pain. It's like, okay, instead of intervals, go run 16K easy. And so there's a lot of that. And uh, anyway, it, it, but it was interesting because I'm sure that's not how, I hope that's not so how it's more like a book there.
0: to learn. What not to do what today? What not to do, okay. yeah.
1: And and it's just really cool because it's one of those, like, you follow them so they get to the NCAAs and, and, and you really want them to win. I you're won't tell you what tell to those, do, exactly. I promise, because it'll ruin it. But, uh, yeah, it's a good one. Cool. Yeah.
0: I, I'm going to read it. I usually don't read, like, like storybooks. I I'm, I like to read technical books. But yeah. if you recommend it, I'm going to read
1: it. I, this was a fun one. I liked it a lot.
0: The next one, 26, I'm, you're going to say the name, 26 Marathons. Bye. Yeah.
1: Meb Kofleski. It's yes. his, it's basically a, I guess it's a biography, but 26 marathons. So the book is 26 chapters and each chapter covers one of his 26 marathons in chronological order. And I think the biggest takeaway from the book, the reason that I wanted this one in there is, well, one, Meb is an elite runner. He's he's an American. He got the silver silver medal at the Olympics in 2004 he won New York City in 2009, and then the year after the bombings in Boston, he won.
0: He was the first American in I don't know how many oh, years to win.
1: the 80s, I think it was. Like, it was a huge deal, and it was, you know, Boston Strong was such a big... They really wanted like an American the perfect, on the podium. The perfect
0: person to, to win the most. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it, it, like, gave me goosebumps listening, to because I was doing the Audible again. But so many... I think the biggest takeaway is so many of his marathons did not go according to plan, either the build-up or the race itself. So even though you look at it like silver or medal at the gold at the Olympics and he's won two of the majors, you think like every marathon he probably did so well at. And you look at someone like Kipchoge, it seems like he can't go wrong lately with the marathon. Like every marathon he does, he wins and get, goes faster. He's just phenomenal. But it, this is more normal, I feel like, with MEB. Like it's 26 marathons and maybe four or five of them went according to plan. And there's some really like funny things that happen to him. Like one of them is like there's a n- nose strip that ends up in his shoe. Wow! And so he runs the marathon with this insane blister that gets infected. And anyway, there's a lot of really interesting stories. But I loved that book.
0: Yeah, I think that it's uh, it's really interesting to see how people can run at a at level, have great races, and still don't have good trainings or good
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, or good or good races. Because I see a lot of runners these days, they don't they don't do one long run, and it's like, oh no, everything's going to shit. I'm going to have a terrible marathon. Yeah. It,
1: the world is ending. Yeah, and yeah. I'm go-
0: I'm going to cancel that marathon. I'm going to straight start training for one in the fall just because they lose or missed one or long run or a speed session or mm-hmm. one week with with a flu. Yeah, and that's not normal. And we've talked about this a lot. I don't know any runner that has a perfect training plan
1: i posted on my instagram a couple days ago my january schedule yeah i saw that and it was perfect like just that one month right (laughs) like four weeks let's let's hope i didn't miss any runs k to j went great the track long runs went well and i'm like there's no way february and march are gonna both look like that that would because i'm going to probably get a cold because my daughter's in kindergarten something's gonna happen but it's really nice that i had one great month but they're not all gonna look like that Yeah.
0: And if it does, it's going to be awesome, but it's, it's not yeah. normal. I don't
1: expect it. Yeah,
0: And yeah. that's part of being mentally prepared of oh, for that to happen. Yeah. And the last one, I haven't read this one, Let Your Mind Run by Dina Castor.
1: It's very similar to Meb's 26 Marathon's book. Okay. It, it's basically, so Dina Castor is, is an amazing American female marathon runner. She won the bronze medal at the Olympics in 2004. Running and, a marathon? Um, Doing the marathon. Wow. Yep. And she had the American record for a while. So obviously she doesn't now because Emily Sisson and Kira D'Amato have broken it, but she had the American record for quite a while. So it's all about her right from in like junior high, high school, starting running cross country and then building up and starting the marathon training and, and very similar stories. Like sometimes things went well, sometimes it didn't, but you just, there's so many little nuggets of wisdom and tips that you can take from her book. And it's one of those really easy reads, and you're really, like, rooting for her. (laughs) And she's uh, – I always wonder, like, they must have journaled and written down a lot to be able – because she describes, like, when she got the bronze medal at the Olympics in such amazing detail. Like, at one point, she thought she was in fourth, and then she found out she was actually third and on the podium and, like, all – like, as she's running, she's thinking she's fourth and she's actually third. Oh. And it, there's just so much detail in every little chapter that it's just, it makes you feel, if you listen to it while you're on a run, you almost feel like you're her, but then don't speed up because that happened to me a couple of times where I'm, like, so excited and I look down and I'm like, oh, that's not the pace I'm supposed oh, to be doing.
0: I'm going to read those two. Yeah,
1: they're they're fun, very good reads. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, those are our ten, there are tons of them. We talked, we, we mentioned a few of, Others in, in the episode. But yeah, you start with one and just reading more, it's going to help you become a better runner. And the mental part of it, it can help you improve over, overnight. Yeah. Right.
1: And I have something to add to my reading list that you put on here. So yeah, me I've too. got three or four that I've got to read. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's
0: cool. Okay. So let's do the runner of the week.
1: Chad Hall. You might recognize his last name, Hall, nah. Ryan Hall, Sarah Hall. So Ryan Hall is Chad Hall's brother. Ryan Hall is a retired pro runner Olympian who's turned into a huge bodybuilder. If you follow him on Instagram, yeah. he's massive. We-, we talked
0: about him, about like he could run a two- three-hour marathon yes. and lift 1,000 1,000 pounds.
1: pounds with the deadlift and the chest squat. press and the squat. Yeah, yeah he's – anyway, so he's a former very successful elite runner he has the U.S. record for the half still, I believe, fifty nine forty three. So his brother, Chad, just did his debut marathon at the, I think it's the Mesa Marathon. It's in Arizona. And he did 2-12-47 for a debut. So obviously there's like a bit of a genetic gift or uh, his, in that family.
0: Or Ryan Hall has some secret True. to training.
1: Because Ryan Hall is his coach. His brother is his coach, yeah. which is interesting. And Ryan Hall is also the coach of Rory Linkletter, who's a Canadian marathoner who's doing really, really well. She had the half marathon record. And Lisa has since taken it. But there was a time when Sarah and Ryan Hall married, both had the American half marathon records, which was cool. But yeah, so he, it was interesting because he had some things go against him and some things were for him. So he missed the last two bottles in his full marathon in the 212. And he really felt that, like, if you follow him on Instagram, he did a little write up where he kind of felt like he hit the wall at the end. But then as you pointed out, there was a thousand foot loss of elevation throughout the race. Yeah. So he definitely had, that was helpful. Although I'm sure no. I can't tw- tw- run you I can't Even do 212. Even two 4,000 feet like of <laughs> elevation. <well to life. laughs> yeah, yeah. Still very, very fast. And he, and he won the race.
0: And he's 34. He's not, yeah. he's 20 something. Yeah.
1: He, he
0: was, he was. He ran like five 5Ks five and 10Ks in the past. That's in the 2015. That's what, That was like his pro career. Mm-hmm. But then she's co- he's coming back with this ma- great marathon time.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. And I found it kind of interesting that he missed the last two bottles and still did well because Natasha Wodok, we've talked about, she's the Canadian record holder for the marathon. When she got the record in Berlin this past year, she missed her first two bottles. So usually you usually have the bottle and, like, your fuel taped to it. Mm-hmm. So she basically, like, the first 10K of her marathon didn't have any fuel, which, like, mentally could really screw you up. But at that level, I'm sure they they've got it. the mental training yeah. down pat, I would hope. She must have because she went on to break exactly. the record. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So the three interesting things, it was like, he's already t- 34. It was his first marathon. And his brother, Hall is his coach that we need to find out his secret yeah. about training.
1: Yeah, and then we'll be running two g- 12 marathons. And
0: I guess yes. we're not going to find any secret because we always, we runners and people in general want want to find the secret about something. And once you discover what they're doing, oh, there's no secret. We can, I can do yeah. it. And we already know everything. We're just, we're just not doing it.
1: And I feel like sometimes like you'll hear about this coach and it's like, oh, they've taken 20 people to the Olympics. And sometimes it's like they're... You know, the chicken or the egg, I guess, because once they're successful with a couple athletes, then a lot of the big name athletes are going to go to them to yeah. try to also be successful. So it's like sometimes it's not this big secret. It's just or, people or, are flocking to the same coach.
0: Or numbers. Yeah. yeah. He's training 10,000 people a year and 20 go to the yeah. Olympics or he, run to twelve to 10. You never know. About yeah.
1: That. Maybe he's got some eight hour marathoners out there, too, that no one knows about.
0: <laughs> it, it, they probably did. Let's do... Uh, super quickly, it's getting really long this episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Chasing Sprints.
1: Yeah, Joe Duvall. He's, Joe Duvall is a local runner here in Ottawa. He He's retiring. So he has been the event operations manager at Run Ottawa since 2007. And he just did his last Richmond Road Race, which he's the founder of. He's turning 70 in 2023. And he's still running. He's just retiring from Run Ottawa right now. He's done 47 marathons. He started running in 1978, and his PR is under three hours. And I've met Joe personally, and he just loves talking about running, elite running, his own running. He's a very passionate runner himself. And if you've ever done a Run Ottawa event, he's like the organizer of one of the races, but he'll be out picking up pylons or pointing where the outhouses are supposed to go or just on the course cheering. Like, usually people who are heavily involved are kind of behind the scenes and you don't see them, but Joe's just, you see him at every event. And Joe, if you're listening, I hope he will continue to see you at all the events because I don't know what I'm going to do if I do a run out of a race and I don't see him on the course somewhere. Hopefully he'll be able to run some maybe now because he never seems to be able to run them.
0: Yeah, at 70, it's a yeah, but Joe
1: is, yeah, Joe is our chasing sprints because he's just awesome and a great... Role model for the running community. Perfect.
0: And the second one, it's just a little fun chasing sprints. I don't know if you've if you've seen this video in Strava and TikTok and Facebook. It's 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 a girl talking about Strava decoded. Like what does what do the names in your Strava runs mean? And it's hilarious. We're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. reshare it in in, our, in the in the Instagram and the um, Facebook group. Yeah. But it's super funny. I, I wrote down a, a few of them here, that it's super fun. If you see miles with Richelle, no, I'm joking. <laughs> it,
1: it would be true for yesterday, <laughs> totally That true. means
0: that my run is slow because of the person I'm running, not because I'm slow. So yeah. I'm just justifying my slowness. Yeah, right?
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> that was really, really funny. And the other one, really appropriate for the time here in, in Canada, it's if you see ice, snow, large, slosh, cold, cold ice, that also means my run was slow because of the weather. No, I'm it's not, not this slow. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Know. And the, the, I, I, there are like 10 different mm-hmm. ones. But there's another one that says like, yeah, long run with eight to 10 miles tempo run. That means go to see my paces, right? Go to see my eight miles because they were super fast.
1: Yeah. Don't look at the whole average of the run.
0: Exactly. Go see how fast I am.
1: In, in the physio world, we have a title called Strava Injuries.
0: Okay. because
1: their runners sometimes will not run slow because they don't want to have their followers see how slow they ran on Strava. And so they're just running fast all the time and they're getting injured. That's so I'll Strava be like, injury. this is a Strava injury. That's,
0: awesome. yeah. that's super funny. So yeah, that, that that's the episode of this week. Thanks to all of the runners that are listening to the podcast. It's growing a lot. Thank you. Thank you about that. And if you have any runner of the week you want to suggest, any a specific topic we want us to discuss, go to chasingprs.run. We have a web form there and we are always happy to read those emails and reply to them and use them in the podcast. Yeah,
1: Tune in next week. We're hoping to talk about strength training. Yes, let's do that. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify and visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.